This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Thank you for, for joining and listening to this episode. So I have prepared an episode with mental health therapist, Sofia Mendoza. She's a licensed clinical social worker from California. And Sofia came on the podcast to talk about her creative process. She has written over 30 publications that are widely available. And she talks about how she was able to, to connect to her creativity, how this has been an integral part of her healing. We also talk about reconnecting with her roots to her ancestors, her abuelitas, and how she has implemented every, just in her everyday life, little things that bring her back and honor the memory of those that came before her. We talk about making pupusas and how she was able to, to tap into that and now is something that she shares with with her little one with her mom and it's it's a wonderful story that i can't wait for you all to listen and i'm just so grateful to sophia for agreeing to be on the podcast and and for for all the wisdom and the stories that she shared if you like what you hear please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can also leave a review. As you know, that really, really helps boost our presence here on Apple Podcast. And also want to let you know that I still have a free inner child meditation journal that you can download for free. And the link is in the show notes. So definitely check it out. Before we go to the actual episode, I do want to give a brief disclaimer that this episode does not treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sophia. Take a listen. Hi, Sophia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you Hi, so much for, for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored that you asked me to come on. Yes, definitely. It was lovely getting to know you in Puerto Rico and we connected there. And I just thought your story, your your healing work, everything that you do is just so fascinating. And I think it would be such a value for the community, for folks to know a little bit more about you, your story and, and everything that you do. So to get started, tell us a little bit about yourself for the folks that don't know you um, and the healing work that you do. Okay. Um, so my name is Sofia Mendoza. I am a licensed clinical social worker here in Long Beach, California, um, in Native land. Um, let's see, I, I do a lot of different things, but in terms of the healing work, uh, I'm, I'm a therapist in private practice here. I, I have a small private practice where 
I see mainly first generation professionals. Um, I want to say that that specialty kind of found me, you know, um, when I branched out into private practice, those were the kind of folks that were drawn to me. And I think um, it was because of the relatability. And I, I work best with people who are like me, you know, first gen, child of immigrants. Um, so that's my population there. Um, I see a lot of folks with, you know, the majority of trauma, I practice through a trauma and social justice lens. Um, and then aside from that, I, I'm also the author of the Mending Roots Coping Guides uh, collection, which is a collection of journals and workbooks, uh, stationery, all with like a mental, he mental health theme or uh, Latinx theme kind of, you know, for representation. I like to say that um, I make products that I like to carry around. I make products that I'm proud to uh, represent my ethnicity, uh, my background, um, but also, you know, mental health. Like I have some that, I have a gratitude journal that's um, called Resilient Like a Cactus Flower, you know, and so it's it's a little bit both of my heritage, but also um, the mental health theme. So I do, I do a little bit of, of, of a lot, <laughs> um, but in terms of healing, those are the two main things. Oh, actually, the th this third one is really important too. This year, I actually branched out into um, uh, mentoring. So I mentor other therapists who are also wanting to uh, put their medicinas out in the world, mainly, you know, uh, therapists of color. Um, this has been such a great and rewarding uh, venture for me because I realize I'm I'm much I in terms of like coaching and mentors I'm much more of a mentor, um, and I just I absolutely love love the process of working with someone who like I've been in those same shoes but who are kind of doubting themselves and they their creativity, um, but they know that they practice from some such an authentic place. And they have really amazing ideas of how to put this out into the world. Um, and so I work with them to, you know, um, carry out their ideas, worksheets, journals, things of that nature. So I feel like that was important to, to, to shout out because I think, um, I think that creativity um, heals us, you know, and, for, for those of us who are creative entrepreneurs, it's so vulnerable to put yourself out there. Um, and so I really love, you know, being the cheerleader and the, the, the actual guide that's like, oh my gosh, no, it's so easy. Check this out. There's a template for that, <laughs> you know? Um, so like I said, that we can have more of our medicinas out um, making a difference. Yeah, thank you for for sharing about yourself. And you know, I want to go back to what you you shared about just creativity. And you mentioned, you know, some of the keywords that sent us trauma and first gen and therapists and mental health and mentoring. And when and when I when I hear those words, I just think to just so many colleagues, other therapists that I know that identify as a creative and with 
and you said, but we feel so vulnerable sharing or many of us are blocked yeah. because of stress and work and the load of just everyday life along with family and, you know, all those stressors, a lot, a lot of times creative people, and I'm just talking about folks that I know, we end up feeling very blocked and not able to really create. Um, have you noticed a lot of, um, the, especially with the mentoring component, do you get a lot of mental health therapists that, that say this? Because I, I've, I feel like I see it so much in our field that it's like, well, I used to draw or I used to sing or I used to paint or write. And, and, and it's almost like, it was, um, it was just left behind and like a, like a past tense, like, like, like yeah. a lifetime. Yeah. Right. Honestly, the folks that I work with, they actually talk a lot about, I have so many things already. Like I've created so many for the people that I work with. Um, or I have this idea and, and I have all the thoughts down. Um, but I just need the time to kind of like put it all together. Um, a lot of, a lot of them also have already done the work, you know, they, they've been very much like me, why I started creating my own things, because as a bilingual therapist, um, in community mental health, I was creating my own stuff. I was creating my own worksheets, you know, because the worksheets that were online were in English and they just weren't meaning, um, the need of my population. So I want to say it's half of that, like, um, I already have created some of this stuff. I just don't know what to do with it. Or it's like half created, right? We all have the the, the half projects in the background. Um, but, you know, I it, it's funny that you asked about like, like the painting and the drawing and, you know, um, sometimes I will assign someone to do that. Um, because it is a part of breaking that block. You know, I think sometimes people feel really guilty for not spending the time on their project um, or, you know, things come up health-wise with children or whatnot. Um, and I'm a big proponent of, you know, really checking the pulse on your creative flow. Um, and if it's that you need to rest, that's a part of it, you know? Um, and if you rested or you you went to garden, like that was a part of your, this creation because sometimes just taking that breather and that rest makes all the difference, you know? No, absolutely. And it reminds me of, have you heard the book, The, the Artist Way? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I, and, I read and, it. And <laughs> in, in, I, I don't know if it's the first chapter, one of the early chapters, the author talks specifically about therapists and how so many therapists, um, specifically in mental health, <laughs> want to, or were at some point, um, writers or mm -hmm. some kind of artists in, in some way. And through the, this career path, in, in a way feeds or, or feeds that part indirectly because we're listening to stories we're mm -hmm. sculpting our therapy sessions and creatively thinking of how we can help you know within that 45 minute 50 minute hour we're very 
actively engaged in creative and using her creativity. So she found that correlation. It's just that it was so interesting. And, and I mean, like I said earlier, just for what I, other people that I know, I see so many creative folks just in my group of colleagues and, and friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can see that. I can see that, you know, artwork and creativity, it, it, I, I feel like a lot of creatives and artists, they are very, um, um like emotional people, you know, in, in a great way, because it's what makes their art so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. In that emotion, mind and capture, um the essence of what they're feeling or you know something like I you know and I think about like movies and and songs and like you need emotion you need human emotion it's it's why we we love them right um and so it's not a surprise to me that um therapists are also you know artists and creatives because yeah we we are we're visualizing stuff like that and very much in tune with um the emotions part. Yeah, absolutely. And just want to go back to something you mentioned earlier. Um, so with, so you specialize with, with, with first gen folks and, and it sounds like it's something that is very close to your heart. And I'm just wondering um, how has your own journey, whether, you know, healing or just evolve, evolving in life, how has it correlated with, with your path and your career? How have, has that evolved for you side to side? Yeah, that is a really big question. <laughs> you know, like how do you how do I encapsulate it all? But yeah. you know, I think um, I see healing on a spectrum, and I, I don't see it as a destination. You know, um, I think it's just, it's it's always our our journey, right? Um, and so for me, I my healing has like had so many different iterations. Um, I think early on, um, I think early on as, as a college student or like, yeah, as, as a college student, my healing was more focused on success, right? Um, graduating college, that was something that seemed so far. And to me, that was the pinnacle that was like, oh, oh, once I graduate from college, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> once, you know, I'm in a certain income bracket, I'm going to be okay. Like that's, that's all I need. I just need access. Right. Um, and then, you know, college came and went and, and, and then th- there was me and, um, you know, in thinking about, um, like engaging in some of this creativity, I realized it was my first interview out of college um, for undergrad. And um, in the interview, they asked me, so what do you like to do for fun? (laughs) And I usually don't get nervous in interviews or anything, but that question really stumped me. It really stumped me because I realized like for the last however many years, I mean, the fun that I was having was really mainly like coping, like spending time with friends, partying, you know, um, things of that nature. Um, And I realized that I didn't really have a sense of who I was independent of anyone else. And I didn't have any hobbies. 
And so the beginning of my healing was, and, and getting in touch with like my inner child was doing things that I, that I just didn't have access to growing up and, and starting some of those things. Like, um, I remember I learned how to crochet when I was in elementary school. I think I was in third grade and, um, I picked it up or like someone like was a friend of mine was in, I was like, I think I know how to do that. And, and I picked it up and yeah, like, you know, the muscle memories. So I started crocheting a lot and, and then just like, I remember going to Michael's and for the first time with a little bit of disposable income. And, mm -hmm. um, before I felt like Michael's was like the rich people store. <laughs> <laughs> so just experimenting with craft. Mm -hmm. And crafting and so I think it, it started off that way um just like who am I by myself and and how do I keep myself entertained you know um I love that yeah I think it's such a huge it's a doorway to your healing just um you mentioned just connecting to your inner child but really connecting to that 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 essence of you that just wants to be in that and that, that's that energy of pure enjoyment and fun just for you not because yeah. you're with someone else or for someone or something else it's just for the enjoyment of that moment yeah. like crocheting right which mm -hmm. requires that a lot of patience and dedication and mindfulness and yeah and ultimately you can if you're making a scarf you can buy the scarf but there's nothing like sitting down and creating something over yeah. time yeah 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 and I, and, I, and I think like my love language was developing in a different way too because um you know I, I would make scarves for people everyone has, has a Sophia scarf everyone in my family especially when I was in graduate school and broke you know everyone got the same beanie uh, <laughs> but love um, that. yeah it turned it, then like now whenever someone has a baby um for a baby shower I always take a blanket because I feel like it's it's my way of you know extending warmth um to the baby and the entire time I'm making the I'm like thinking of that baby you know so I, I really love so that. sweet yeah um but but yeah I mean it it my healing has gone through so many iterations um all was fine and dandy until you know I I uh became a mom you know I think yeah I think I was I was, I was, I've always been very high functioning, but in even like over functioning, you know, and um, when I got pregnant and when I had my daughter, um, so much came up that I, 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 looking back at it now, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe how, how strong um, the transmission of trauma was, you know? um did yeah. I freeze I think I froze you're yeah I, I, I for a little bit but I yeah oh, but I can hear okay. you yeah you're fine <laughs> um and I um I realized that I was suffering from like postpartum anxiety but very specifically um like generational anxiety um I remember so my mom is from El Salvador and her first a uh, child, um, I think died as an infant. I can't remember how many months um, yeah. she was, but she died as an infant. And then oh. she went on to have my brother and then my sister. 
and then and then me I'm kind of like the middle child but um I remember after I gave birth Rosa I was convinced convinced that I would have the same destiny that my because I also had a daughter so my born daughter um would would die and and it was just this overwhelming fear and this like certainty that I knew you know um and and I remember I couldn't shake it and 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 it was one of those like this is my destiny you know and it it just I felt it so strong um and so you know after that um you know I I really started looking more like I couldn't DIY it anymore (laughs) absolutely yeah Yeah, it opened you up in different ways yeah it did it did and I, I was also having a lot of different triggers because um because she's a girl and she looks just like me, you know? And so like at every stage, I was like, wow, oh my God, I was that age when, or like, wow, oh my gosh, just thinking back to my childhood and different, different, um, you know, experiences. And so, um, you know, at that point, I, I really relied on the help of my own therapy, which was so, so helpful. Um, so helpful to just think about like what does self-care look at look like now as a mom as a professional um and would how am I going to keep moving forward you know no absolutely and you know I I I can relate to that and I think so many people can also so many women I went through something very similar I read the book by Mark Wallen and when I postpartum I think I had it before but I didn't really open it up until that at that point and is because of the same thing you mentioned is that this uh, almost irrational but yet it felt very real very present uh, just different types of fears for me um, mm-hmm. that suddenly I, I realized like maybe this has nothing to do with me and yes I was anxious but it, it felt almost like there was something beyond just what I was experiencing and and that book really really helped and I know you're familiar with that because mm-hmm. we talked about it before and it's uh but it's truth right so many times we are triggered we are overwhelmed and sometimes we don't understand why or how and it, it it's not even about us right it, it could be from one generation two or even three generations before yeah. and and I think um just for me at least really uh diving into that realization, learning about it really helped my healing. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering for you, what has been the role in terms of understanding your own generational patterns, you know, understanding what your mom went through and how it was impacting you? How has, you know, understanding that generational pattern, maybe even beyond your mom, more of that ancestral, um, ancestral legacies that we carry, how has that played a role in, in your healing now where do you see it play out at this point in your life or your or your, your healing journey yeah yeah um you know I when I think of ancestral stuff <laughs> you know um I, it's only been re- more recent that I've been more connected to it um and I know you and I had a conversation about this, like, I don't know that I'm ancestral enough. That, you know, yes. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> yes. And it's like, no, you are, you know, it's almost yeah. like it, we have ancestors no matter yeah, what, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah. 
whether you believe they're actively involved in some other reality yeah. or realm or yeah. not, yeah. It, it doesn't really matter, right? It's almost right. like, I always say, it's like the law of gravity. If you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. It's It will still happen. It will still exist. <laughs> I love that. I love so that. it doesn't really, you know, so it was like, no, if you believe it, if yeah. you feel it, if you experience it, then, yeah. then and, and they're there. there for you, right? Yeah. And so I think, you know, to give some context, I, you know, before I also grew up um, in a religion that, um, like, you couldn't idolize figments or anything like that. And so um, I, I really felt stripped from my spirituality. Um, and so for a long time, I was like, I don't think I have spirituality um, because I was conflating it with religion, you know, um, and so and so now I realize, no, I'm actually deeply spiritual. You know, I, I rely on, you know, like self-compassion, uh, mindfulness, um, acceptance, or like being with yourself and your suffering. Um, and then um, more recently, yeah, being connected to my ancestors, you know, I think something, you know, so we, we were on this retreat, you know, we we're reclaiming our roots. And something that kept coming up for me was um, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. Um, and, and I was so, I remember being so frustrated because I, I, I wanted to hear her. I wanted to hear her words. And, and, and even before the retreat, I was asking, I was, I would ask my mom, like, do you remember um, like something she told you? Her mom died when my mom was 12. Yeah. So, so you didn't know her. You didn't, so of I course, didn't, you didn't have a chance. To, yeah. And your yeah. mom sounds like your mom may not have either. Yeah. 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 And, the, and my mom would say, well, you know, um, era una mujer de pocas palabras. Like she didn't really say much. She was a woman of very few words. Um, so then I started asking my tia. Actually, it's so funny. I one day I went out for a walk and I was actually listening to your podcast, one of your like ancestor meditations as yeah. I was walking. And right when it was over, I was like, I'm gonna call my tia. Hmm. <laughs> so big thank you to you. Yeah, I called my tia and I was like, I know she's gonna tell me something because she's mm -hmm. a little bit older than my mom. Okay. And she said the same thing. Era una mujer de pocas palabras. Like they didn't really say much, you know. Um, and she goes, you know, they they um, they didn't say much. They, they, you know, they were also they, they didn't know how to read and write, and so they didn't have a whole lot of education. Um, they just they they worked a lot. They they cooked a lot. My grandmother was really crafty you know, with cheese, she, with like milk, she would make cheese, she would make this, she would make soap and like, you know, uh, which I think I get that from her. Um, but, but anyway, um, I just felt like I needed some words because I'm a words person, you know, I'm like create journals and I'm a therapist. I, I read and, and I just wanted her words and, and, I, and I didn't get them, you know, but um, the way it's, it, it made me realize that I have to change my relationship with silence, you know, which, yeah. which um, 
for a words person is, is, is really difficult, but then also as a creator, as a creator, it's, it's very difficult because we're relying, um, well, and even as a human, like we're relying on these mirror neurons, these, this like communication. Um, and so, but, you know, I, I decided at, at the retreat that I would be changing my relationship with silence and I could see her just like caressing me, my hair, you know, and um, smiling at me, cooking, um, like, like going like this to me, you know, mm. like embracing me with, without any words. And, um, I realized that, you know, with, with love, you, you don't only have to have words, you know, you can express it in so many ways mm. but right now. That's kind of where I'm at right now is really just embracing, um, silence, embracing, uh, love, um, w- without words. I mean, I'll take the words too, <laughs> Yeah. but but now I'm just being really intentional about, uh, like what presence feels like without work mm. and you know and so I think that right now that's the connection that I I have with with my ancestors um and also like when I cook you know it's very soothing for me and eating and I think that's another way that I connect to um with my grandmother is by envisioning it's like this like port like envisioning her cooking and now envisioning myself cooking Mm, I love that yeah yeah no I love that it's como que uh, la la invocas like you invoke her energy yeah you know and and some folks don't like to say that word but it's almost like the equivalent of saying I'm honoring my you know my grandma's memory it's you know we're more accustomed to saying we honor their memory but really what we what we do when we're honoring is kind of calling on or invoking that whether it's through through food or through an activity that that you know that that person loved to do you feel closer in that moment especially for you that didn't have the chance to 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 get to know her is almost like you do just hearing you share about her is almost like you you you've gotten to know her yeah 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 I'm, and and I almost feel like 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 I'm creating my own little relationship with her, you know, and um and I'm visualizing it and I feel it. I think before um I couldn't do that. I could not visualize. I I kind of used to think it, it was BS, you know. <laughs> I did. And yeah. and um you know, there's this exercise that I do um, with with folks in the beginning stages of trauma work, where we create a like a, a protector circle and yeah, um, and for people with attachment wounds, which I also have, um, it's really hard. It's really mm-hmm. hard because then there's there's grief in thinking mm-hmm. that you even have to make someone up. Right. There's grief in that acceptance. Um, and so, but now that I've actually, I, I gave myself the time and I gave myself to the space. So I feel like really nurture that relationship. Mm. Like I do feel it. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. You know, what's coming to mind. Uh, I also, I do EMDR also and mm-hmm. with the folks yeah. that I work with over time. I've noticed that that particular exercise can be of course uh, overwhelming for some people that have those attachment wounds, but those that are able to 
actually for for some of the clients that i've had that are more creative that have an ability that are writers that write um i had a, I, what's coming to mind is one of my clients um she wrote she wrote scripts and um and so she was always she's a creative person and when we did that exercise and this has happened to others but i remember her because it was like so fascinating um she was able to describe a person that came through in her mind's eye that felt like she knew the person mm-hmm. felt very safe very comfortable and she was it's almost like i think i'm creating this this character and it just feels very um like a grandma and or grandpa i think she said anyways and and i remember that and i was like how interesting what if that really is you know the the invocation or the like calling on especially with that intention to find that safe that safe person that safe place to ground when we're feeling overwhelmed like well what what if it really is you know I always so when when I do EMDR I'm always um, fascinated by that part of EMDR there's actually a book about it I don't know if you've um, if you're familiar with it, I think I have it right here. Give me just one second. Let me see if I can find it. Um, cause I was reading through it the other day. What is it called? Um, it's, it has a little bit of a, a name. Oh, it's, uh, induced after death communication by, (laughs) by Alan, Alan Botkin. Yeah. It's right here. So yeah, I would have never guessed that that's an EMDR. No, me ne- <laughs> no, me neither. I, I got it. <laughs> I read through it and I was like, okay, this seems interesting. Um, and you know, I'm into all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, and then in reading it, it's all about EMDR work. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, you know, the, the, the author doesn't go into a, a specific protocol, but I, I've done EMDR for, for yeah. a few you, years. You know so what it is. You can, I know what he's yeah. talking about because yeah. I've seen it in sessions. I've seen patients um, channel. Uh, I don't know if it's a deceased ancestor or their spirit guides, but, and, and I've seen it. So when, when I saw the book, I'm like, oh my God, this is a thing. Yeah. And then I was, I, I saw, um, I was watching a YouTube podcast the other day and the therapist talked about the same thing, uh, how they were doing some trauma work and like, like a few, I mean, it, this, they had been working together for a while, him and the, and the client. And suddenly like there was the, 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 the client had their eyes closed, um, but he was observing cause they were doing like some kind of deep meditation and like, you know, he suddenly saw the light in the room change. And initially he thought, well, it's, you know, the sun is setting. So it was probably that. And, you know, and then the, the, the clients started talking about uh, seeing their mother and, and the mother apologizing, you know, it really, it was relevant to what they were working through and the mother apologizing and, you know, all this. And then after the end, the end of that session, the, the client got better. Mm-hmm. some of the things that she, some of the obstacles they had been trying to work through it was like almost like a miracle it was like it was lifted the heaviness of what of her experiences with, with her mother had lifted it was so so fascinating wow it's like that that liberation you know or like that closure that they needed right. absolutely um, yeah no that's fascinating um I think 
And, you know, and it's interesting about the ancestral stuff, because I was like, I, I realized like, oh, I, I think I, I mean, I've been doing ancestral work without even realizing that I'm doing, mm -hmm. work, you know, like I have some clients with such complex trauma, um, it, like the clients I see, it isn't single incident trauma. It's, it's just, it's always complex, um, you know, various traumas throughout the lifespan. Um, and and for people with attachment wounds, you know, in like the regular, the, 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 the go-to list, it's like, oh, a celebrity or a movie character that maybe you would like. Um, none of those were landing for certain people. Like they're like, no, that person's this, oh, that person's that, <laughs> you know? Um, and once, once your brain is already like out, out, you can't access it. And so I remember saying well what about your ancestors and and people in your lineage boom that's what felt what they felt so connected to you know and and that's the, the spiritual part of us right that's longing for that connection um and and that protection from um from a source that that maybe we can't see yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, in IFS, Internal Family Systems, it, it has a component just for that, right? legacy burdens. And there's a, a whole component of healing for that. Um, and when I have uh, implemented some of those strategies with my clients, I've noticed that, um, especially when we're talking about certain parts that feel very ancient, very old, um, immediately, it's like naturally they just, are, the clients just go, they just go there with, um, it feels old. It feels like it's a hundred years old and it's in, in these, the legacy burdens just open up in, in a way. Um, it usually doesn't happen at the initial sessions, but the more we connect with these parts, it's almost like the layers start opening up and all these other parts start moving out of the way. And what you're left with is what is not yours, right? The, the, these yeah. legacy burdens that we carry that do yeah. not belong, did not start with us. Yeah. That, that happened to me at the retreat. That happened mm. to me. That happened to some really, really painful stuff. Mm. And, um, and it was really hard because it, 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 I think it was the exercise was something like, now let's, let's give them back kind of like their burden. <laughs> and I was like, that feels wrong. Like, how do I give them back violence? How do I give them back oppression? Um, how, I mean, I, I get it with like these like, like, like gender norms and roles and things like that. Um, but it just, I think in my lineage, uh, Del Salvador, like there's just been so much trauma, so much war, so much violence, so much poverty and famine, um, that it was really hard for me to say like, here you go, this isn't mine, you know? Um, and then, and then one of the extras, well, just like a reflection was like, um, sometimes we're really bonded to that. And, 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 and that's, that's where you're at, <laughs> you know? And so I realized like, yeah, I, I was, I was very bonded to it. Um, but I, I also took that as, and this is why I need to connect more. And this is why I need to connect more with my culture. I need to uh, learn more about like my lineage so that I can I can, I can also honor the joy, 
you know and, absolutely and like as an artist as a central american artist you know or uh i can contribute and and then i can i can learn and and um yeah just just really em embody the beauty and the art that that came from it oh i love that so beautiful yeah. so, so it sounds like for you in terms of your healing journey is is you're on that mode of just trying to to learn more about where you come from and and to to dive into into that part and I think there's so much I think well I should say like our ancestors crave that they want to be known they want to be seen they want to be recognized and when we make that intention it things happen yeah. you know and I, I, I was talking I had um, you know, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name, but um, it is Nay. Oh my goodness, it is Nay Flores at the, on the podcast, and she's a genealogist. Yeah, and familiar she, with her work. Yeah, yeah, and and it's so fascinating. And what we were talking about is how when someone starts just just researching, very maybe superficially, just doors to start opening like suddenly someone an aunt or a great aunt or a cousin that you had not even thought about says hey I found this picture randomly of, of you when you were a baby and you're with someone or or I found this picture of your great-great-grandmother or I found this letter or or they somehow dropped this this piece of information that you had no idea they've never shared it's like you open that door mm. and it's like the information starts coming the 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 it's almost like the the, the symbolism that, that, that they want you to know starts coming through different people wow. and different stories. And it's and you it's almost like you start putting together this this puzzle. Yeah, yeah. You know, during the pandemic, one I first realized that I was connected to my grandmother when um, you know, everyone had a pandemic project or or 10. <laughs> and so for me, it was making pupusas. Um, pupusas are deceptively hard to make. Like you have the masa has to be just right. Um, growing up, my tias would say, que no, no tengo manos para pupusas because I have very warm body temperature. So la masa se derrite, like it um it melts in my hands. And um, and then my mom didn't know how to make pupusas either because she was one of the youngest females, and then and like the older ones had gone to the city and whatnot. So anyway, she never learned. And and actually, they told her too, "Tú no tienes manos para pupusas." So she'd be like, "Oh no, no, you know, like your tía will make them, right?" So then my mom couldn't teach me. So I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn." I watched so many YouTube videos. I made so many pupusas ate so many pupusas um and now I'm finally like I, I I'm getting there you know and you know what's funny talking about EMDR it's bilateral oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's bilateral and so like during the pandemic my mom actually got diagnosed with cancer and I was, oh, I'm sorry I know yeah she's okay now she's in remission mm -hmm. But it was, it was so much. I was like walking around the house. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't even hungry, but I was like, I'm just going to keep, I have all this masa and I'm going right. to thing. And I just knew that my body needed to do something and it needed to make pupusas. Wow. And it's almost like it just intuitively, you just knew how yeah. to do it in such an ancestral way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I went to what, what soothes and comforts, you know, for some, yeah. you know, for other, in other communities, it's like the drumming, the, the African drumming, mm. um, you know, the dancing. And, and I realized like maybe for the people of El Salvador, it's making pupusas. That's yeah. our nervous system. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And so your mom, she's in remission. She's okay now. She's okay. Okay. Yeah. But oh, it must oh. have been so scary. Ugh. Yeah, it was. It was. We we really went through it. Um uh my sister and I, my sisters and I, we we all kind of banded together. But no, it was hard. I because I realized I didn't even take time off of work really. So I was like here and there and just watching her go through so much, you know. But it's funny because um when my mom saw me learning how to make pupusas, she was like, that's not how your tia makes them. That's not how the, that's not how the the masa looks. I think, it, but but guess what? She started learning. She she, actually, she told my she tia, learned too. you're gonna tell you're gonna show me how to make pupusas and and now maybe my aunt has more patience for her, but she taught her how to make pupusas. Mm, she taught yeah. my mom at like seventy something years old, and my it's like the biggest pride that she has she now she can make her ancestral food like that yeah which is a big one for El Salvador you know oh yeah so so we shared that we shared that during the pandemic um and I just think it's such a a beautiful like place to be you know because now like we'll make bubusas together and that's something that I never thought that we'd be able to do because of nuestras manos but it turns out we just need you know oil on our hands and uh, and the will to be like I'm gonna make these (laughs) exactly it's so fascinating and and how when you start connecting intentionally with with that and 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 almost healing through that process of learning how to make pupusas it's almost like your that energy transferred onto your mom and I can only imagine you, you mentioned the pride and I can only imagine the healing that she also received unconsciously yeah. or consciously but yeah. she also benefited from that just that action that you yeah. that you set your intention on imagine being 70 something years old and like unlocking this thing that you've never been able to do yeah yeah absolutely oh that's a beautiful story thank you for for sharing that with us yeah and so let's talk a little bit about your your books and so you um so you have a collection of journals and and is it is it like uh, just different activity workbooks and worksheets yeah Um, yeah so some of them are um just regular like journals with journal prompts like one-line journal prompts mm -hmm. um others are coloring books like I have a boundaries coloring book with like these really cute um women images with like a statement um but then also a little bit of journaling on boundaries and like courage cards or courage statements I like to call Mm -hmm. them because sometimes we don't know how to say no yeah that project came out of like, I needed those words. Mm-hmm. So I would write them down. And then I created this, this journal, um, coloring book. Um, but uh, I also saw children and adolescents for many years. Um, so I, I like creating um, mental health activity books for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter's nine now, but I've made one like, as she like at every age, just because um like I want to make it for her I I feel like everything I make is because I've needed it 
me or my family has needed it. Um, and so I think in my brain, when I'm creating, it has to make sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm like thinking of what my daughter would like, and I'm thinking of like, how does explain it to her and her, and you know, child ways. And then also like, if you can explain it to a child, you can explain it to anyone, um, which is, I love children's books and workbooks. Mm. So I have some workbooks for, for children too. Um, and then uh, stationery and, and, and then the, the coloring books. I have a few coloring books. Yeah. So beautiful. You know, I, I purchased a couple of your, of your books um, you. for my daughter. And then, but one thing that I noticed, and I'm just realizing this as you're talking about um, silence, you know, going back to what we were saying is that some of the, the just, I mean, I, I have two of, of, of what you've made and what I've noticed is that it requires for you to be in a silent place to even, whether it's for kids or for you, it's almost like you do the prompt and then you have to have, you have to take that pause yeah. and, and then you're right or you color or you, um, you know, answer the prompt. And, but it's almost like you've create you've built in that sacred, I think, I think at the retreat, you were talking, we're calling it the sacred pause. Oh, right. You, 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 you mentioned the sacred pause. Yeah. A lot. It's yeah. almost like, I, I, I see how the, your books is there. They almost make that happen for mm-hmm. you. You have to sit, turn everything off and then, or with your child and you have to take that pause that moment. Yeah. Yeah. to do so it, it's so so beautiful how okay. I, I I I could see how this is your your soul work thank you yeah and I actually so when I was thinking about like because it, it's like therapy related but I'm not going to have it under my therapy practice so I still wanted it to be an extension of me and my work and so I named um that this part of my life um amending roots healing spaces because I feel like the journals are a space for that sacred pause, right? Right. Um, and and people get to figure out what that space means, is it or is for them? Because I also have some that um, I, I have one that's called because I work with teenagers, so I have one that's called I don't want to talk about it, but I'll write and draw. <laughs> so they're like comic book style pages that they can just do anything, and they're these like these these beeswax kind of little like hexagon things um and it's funny because that one actually gets purchased a lot I don't know by who but but that one gets purchased a lot um and and I'm like people get to figure out what that space is and if they're not expressing themselves through writing maybe they can draw or uh scribble or make it into a comic book or something like that you know so I love that that's a very, that, that, what is, what is the title of that one again? That one, I don't want to talk about it, but okay. right. And maybe draw. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of teen nieces and nephews. So and it's I, black and it's black. So and it's, oh. it's, it's so funny. Um, I have one therapist, a friend who in particular, um, she's always buying those from me. Uh, she's like, I'm out. Can I get more? <laughs> <laughs> oh so cool I yeah like Christmas gifts yeah and it's <laughs> birthday gifts that for one has no content that's considered mm. like low content book but it's just blank pages but in different ways and they can do whatever they want with it but know? it's processing it is it is and that's I think for teenagers I mean 
talk about silence, right? Right. They say yeah. so much with their silence. Yes. Yeah. And, Poc yes. and how uncomfortable adults are with silence. I mean, I'm that person too that I'm like, well, are you mad? Well, let's talk about it. Trust me, nobody in my house wants to talk about it with me. <laughs> and my daughter's like, we don't have to talk about everything. And I'm no, like, 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 really? Yes, we do. <laughs> in this house. In this yeah, in this house. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I'm like learning now because, you know, every nervous system is different. Like, when they're ready to talk, then we'll engage. But I, I think for me, it, it, it has taken a lot to calm my own nervous system in silence and like really having faith that, you know, in the relationship and that we will come back together and talk about it when we're both ready to. Absolutely. No, silence is, is huge. It sounds like, well, you know, it's, no, it's hard to, to honor that for someone else and it's so hard to take that pause ourselves right to say you know what something as simple as disconnecting from social media or electronics it's like we need that and I'm talking about myself it's like I need that noise whether it's in the background as I'm typing my notes I need to you know it's almost like why is it so hard to just be okay with silence having nothing to do or doing nothing right yeah well it's hard i think when there is silence we listen to those thoughts right this this is why like a lot of people have insomnia and like the thoughts are so loud at night because it's so silent so yeah no absolutely um yeah so well thank you so much Sophia, for sharing your story and your, the story of your abuelita. And uh, I feel like just in, in listening to you, I, I feel like I got a sense of who she was. Mm. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And for the folks that would love to uh, purchase your stuff, get to know more about your mentoring and the work that you do, how can people find you? What will be the best place to, to find you? Yeah, for the books and, and the, the mentoring, um, www.mendingrootshealingspaces.com. It's a long one. <laughs> or at Mending Roots Healing Spaces on Instagram. And for the therapy, Sofia Mendoza, lcsw.com. And on Instagram, at Mending Roots Therapy. And your books are also on Amazon. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So when you go on the website, the, the link will take you directly to Amazon. Awesome. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, thank you again for, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I look forward to another conversation with you. Yes. And yes. maybe we'll link with Cynthia, right? We have a pending, yes. we actually have yes. a pending podcast, yeah. the three of us. So. Yeah. I feel well, like the three of us, we can talk forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We we experienced a little bit of that yeah. in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So, well, thank you again, Sophia. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us. 
to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on, you can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast. And you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.